1: what is up welcome to another edition of the nfl fantasy football show it's me your man mg marcus grant still masking and socially distancing when and where necessary joined as always by michael f florio and our producer steve and uh We got a lot to do today. Uh, Obviously, there was a big trade that went down recently. We will get into that. We will finish off our positional reviews with the one that you've all been waiting for. I just get, you know, I I can't stop people from coming in my mentions. Ask me when we're going to talk about tight ends. It's just, it's insane how much it happens. Uh, Not at all. Um, So, but we'll talk about that and uh, also a little bit of uh, fun video game talk at the end as well. Um, But the first thing I want to start with is... uh, guys the and florio you brought this up to me i i think i had missed this but uh the washington football team is thinking about a name change uh you said you saw something right this morning that they have they've put out the call now that they're looking for a a name is that what it is
2: yeah i got an alert right before we started recording that they have a website that they tease a name change after the 2021 season saying new name new era
1: all right i mean we got to get some thoughts on this and i don't know steve if you have any thoughts on this as well um, I mean, Steve, are, do you have a name? If there, were, if you could pick any name for the Washington football team, what would you choose?
3: Well, I know it's not going to be a bird, uh, because team <laughs> president Jason Wright came out and and uh, I, I think he dropped an F bomb when describing uh what <laughs> the the mascot was going to be. So we know it won't be a bird. Uh, does what he really get birds? Is that what it is? Like, why? Yeah, I don't know. It's like falcons, ravens, cardinals. It's not going to be a bird. We've got that out of the way. Uh, unfortunately, what tends to happen, I feel like, when teams are doing these rebrand, uh, I used to work in North Dakota. Happened with um, the UND team is they pick such a lame name after that. So I just hope it's not that. Uh, like they were the Sioux and now they're the Fighting Hawks and. Uh, and and that's not a I don't know fighting hawks. It's just so generic. There's no reason for it. I, I hope they just come up with something that's unique and not a, not a cat or a bird. <laughs> I, I don't have the answer. But I hope it's unique.
1: I would I would hope so. I don't know if you have a a a take or a named suggestion, Florio, for this. But I I was, I, was counting, I was just counting. I think there are five bird teams, right? That I can come up with. I, I got you know the Ravens. Uh, let's see. We got the, the Eagles, the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the Falcons. Am I missing? I don't think I'm missing any. I think that's all of them. It's probably four too many. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I feel like they should, well, first off, I felt like they missed an opportunity by not calling themselves the Washington football club. Like they could have just gone straight out full on soccer and just been the Washington FC they could have sold scarves like a soccer team does and all that kind of stuff. They really missed an opportunity. And I guess they can still do that, but it feels cheap now. Um, so then, like, you know, that being said, like, I feel like they have to pick something that's like regional. Right. That's something that like is unique to the D.C. area. Um, I don't know what that would be, like the Washington partisans or something like I,
3: like, <laughs> the senator. They could be the senators. Right. Um,
1: which is sort of a nod to the old the old baseball team,
2: right? Um, it would fit with like the Capitals and the Nationals, I guess. Right? No, I think I think that's true. I think
1: that works if they're the the Washington Senators. Um, you know, although I feel like the Washington Senators baseball team just had a history of of failure, so I don't know if that's. Cause I think the the joke about the old Washington Senators was you know first in war, first in peace, last in the American League. So I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if that's a history you want to attach yourself to. Um, but I don't know. I'm curious to see what happens.
2: Uh, I, I kind of think they should go like the minor league baseball route and let fans decide. Like okay. that would be fun. Like the stud muffins was once a potential minor league baseball team name. And I was sad that didn't win. Cause I was like, that would be like a hilarious mascot. I think there's
1: one uh, in uh, sort of in your neck of the woods. Well, Kind of, Florio. Up in upstate New York, I think the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, I think. Is yes,
2: That's I think one. that the Rumble Pony might have beat out the Stud Muffin in the fan vote. <laughs> That's a pretty tough competition. Right?
1: Rumble <laughs> Ponies versus Stud Muffins is, is pretty tough. Um, You know, I know that for a while the, the Fresno Grizzlies were the Fresno Tacos, um, mostly because they would have a big taco festival on their field every summer or whatever. So they kind of they sort of leaned into it a little bit. Uh, but I'm down with that. I'm down with them doing that. Would Now, would you guys go get a Washington football team piece of paraphernalia, just hoping it, you know, the next big investment? <laughs> if I'm a
3: fan, absolutely. I, oh, you just mean from an investment standpoint, like a Darren Revell kind of move here. Right, like <laughs> yeah, like, like Top Shot or something. That, like it,
0: so that's why
2: I, I asked Marcus before we recorded, because like right now I'm into Top Shot and I'm like, what else can I get on before it blows up? And it's WFT apparel. <laughs> The next big thing.
1: <laughs> I don't know that. I, I mean, I might buy one just to have one, but I don't expect it's going to be, you know, you're not sitting on diamond hands if you have like a, a Washington FT jersey or anything like Who, that.
2: If you bought like, would it be Terry McLaurin or, or Chase Young or it's a Taylor Heineke jersey? You got to
3: invest in the future. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what? Weirdly, a Taylor Heineke jersey might end up being, you know, like because it is just obscure enough. Um,
2: you know, I don't know. It's if, if they don't make the playoffs this season, he would be the only quarterback in WFT history to start a playoff game Playoff game. Wow. Now I might go get myself a Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> We're <laughs> going to show up next week and
1: matching. Actually, in Heineken. Heineken. <laughs> That's going to be incredible. Uh, all right. So we'll keep an eye on that though. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the name change. If they just, I still think they should go Washington FC, but uh, I would imagine it's going to be something a little bit different than that. Either way, Dan Snyder gets to sell a whole lot more jerseys. So hooray for him, uh, I guess. Um, All right. Uh, Elsewhere, I guess sort of staying in the division, there was big news. Um, We sort of anticipated this, but Carson Wentz has finally been traded from the Philadelphia Eagles to the Indianapolis Colts. I know that this is sort of what had been the general opinion for a while was going to happen, but it finally did. And so, you know, Florio, we've sort of talked about what this could mean, but now we can talk about it like in actual real terms because this is a thing that has happened. So as I was you know thinking about this and trying to come up with some discussion topics about it, there was one overarching question for me that I think sort of, you know, I don't know that anything else happens without answering this first question. And for me, that is. Can Carson Wentz be fixed? I mean the last couple of years have not been good. It's you know some of it injury but a lot of it just him not playing well. If if the Colts if Frank Reich can't fix him then none of this really matters. Can he get back to where he was a couple of years ago when he was
2: uh, a strong MVP candidate before he got hurt? I I think so and the big thing is Frank Reich because his coordinator and the, the play caller of the year that Wentz almost won the MVP before he tore his ACL. And then the Eagles went on to win a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. That was Frank Reich. He was the one calling the plays there and not a knock on Doug Peterson, but the Eagles offense just has not looked the same since Frank Reich left. And the Colts offense has been humming along with a hodgepodge of quarterbacks ever since Andrew Luck has retired. So I I do think there's stuff wrong with Wentz, like beat reporters and, And then they they talk about how his mechanics have changed since he suffered that severe injury and how his throwing motion changed a little bit. To me, that's all stuff that if you're a good coach, you can change. And it sounds like there's going to be a better rapport here because reports out of Philly were that Wentz was not really taken to the coach's criticism this year. And he wasn't really going along with their play calls and stuff. So part of the problem is Carson Wentz. But I think if, if it doesn't work out here... Like then it might be over for him. But the reason why, not not just Frank Reich, is the reason why I'm confident that Wentz could at least improve the O-line as well. Like He was sacked 50 times in 12 games last year. That His previous high before that was 37, I believe, and it was in 12 games 50 times. So that is just insane how much he was just getting hit and taking a beating back there. And we know the Colts O-line is anything but bad, and they're going to keep Carson Wentz on his feet and, and give him protection. So I think this was the best case scenario for Carson Wentz.
1: It's funny that you know the Colts for a number of years had the quarterback. It seemed they had Andrew Luck, and they didn't have an offensive line. Now they've got an offensive line, and they're trying to find the quarterback that they can put back there. I mean, you know, Jacoby Brissett is a bridge guy. Philip Rivers obviously was at the tail end of his career there, so now they're hoping that it can be Carson Wentz. I think another thing that might help Wentz, honestly, is is. People say this all the time, but a change of scenery and a change of locker room. And if you read the reports coming out of Philadelphia, it it looked like, at least by the end, the locker room itself was very split on Carson Wentz. And I think some of it had to do with this feeling that the front office sort of catered to him a little bit too much, especially when he wasn't playing well. And I think there was. Uh, a general feeling of just discontent. And I think, you know, there were were people who were still behind him. There are a lot of people who very much weren't and wanted to see Jalen Hurts get that opportunity. So now he goes to a place where he can start with a blank slate and he gets that fresh start and a chance to start over again. So maybe that also goes toward helping uh, when you've got a a locker room that's sort of unified behind you being uh, the starting quarterback there. But Again, if if it turns out that that whatever has happened to Carson Wentz is what is the norm now, uh, then I don't know that any of the rest of this is going to matter. But, you know, let's let's keep going on the premise that Carson Wentz is going to be OK, uh, you know, even if he's not an MVP candidate, that he's at least back to being uh, a, a, ver- a a viable quarterback, uh, a guy that can kind of move the football and, and score points. Does this make any of the Colts pass catchers more attractive to you in fantasy drafts?
2: I think it makes the wide receivers more attractive, especially the one who will not give Carson Wentz his number. (laughs) I love this, by the way. (laughs) Like Michael Pittman was like, he asked how attached I was to the number. I said I was pretty attached or whatever he said. And I was just like, that is awesome. Because too often players are just like, here you go. Here's my number. And Michael Pittman was like, nah, I'm not, I'm not giving it up, but (laughs) This is also, by the way, this is, this is also, this is not like,
1: you know, Tom Brady coming in and Chris Godwin, like, you know, giving up his number. This is like Carson Wentz, who you has know, been okay, but hasn't been, you know, spectacular so far.
2: I love that after Pittman said the conversation after he said, like, no, I'm, I'm I like number 11, Wentz was like, yeah, I was thinking about changing anyway. That is like <laughs> the most passive aggressive, like, no, it's okay. You keep your number. I, I don't <laughs> even want it. What why'd you ask for it? Like, <laughs> oh, but I think Michael Pittman is the biggest benefactor right now, especially it depends on what they do with that second outside wide receiver because T.Y. Hilton is a free agent. Do they bring him back? Uh, but if they do that, I expect Pittman to kind of take over as their number one. He showed a lot of flashes last year. And Marcus, he was a player that I know you likes coming into last year. I like his talent as well. I think that Philip Rivers, at first it was a rookie year, weird year for rookies, but also Philip Rivers isn't the type of quarterback that is going to take as many shots downfield. He's not going to throw into tight windows as much, and he's more so going to, like, he is one of the best at just, like, throwing in anticipation and allowing the receiver to, like, dive and, and catch the ball or something. So I think Pittman gains. I think Paris Campbell can gain from this, and this might be sacrilegious to say, Marcus, and you know I love Jonathan Taylor, but the running backs, I think, are going to take a hit in the passing game here because no quarterback through to their running backs more last year. Well, last year there was cut like he was in towards the top of the league, but, and then years before that with the chargers, like we just know Phillip rivers, when he feels pressure loves to dump off to those running backs. So I think Naheem Hines last year is not going to come close to doing what he did last year, but I think it hurts Jonathan Taylor as well and helps the receivers here. See, I was going to ask about that. If you felt any differently about them, um,
1: does this mean you're not as excited to draft Jonathan Taylor in the top five or six now because of this change or what?
2: I'm still willing to draft Jonathan Taylor there. What it does for me is it makes me not as willing to take him as like the second or third pick off the board that some people are willing to do for me. I think I, I, as of today, I like him a little bit more as like the fourth or fifth pick off the board.
1: What I, what I do like about the Colts pass catchers is that I don't think you have to risk a whole lot in draft capital to get them. Um, You know, I think, I think there's still so much unknown, about what Carson Wentz can be in this offense, <clears throat> that whoever you're looking at, one I, one, I I would be surprised if Ty Hilton is back next year in Indianapolis. I think you know the the price tag versus sort of the declining production, uh, especially with what they they hope to have there. I don't I don't know that he'll be back. Um, so that means Pittman, Zach Paschal, Paris Campbell. I think these guys are going to get the opportunity to go out and perform, but because none of them really has a track record. Uh, I don't think that they're going to have a very high draft price with them. And, you know, the upside potentially is really good. I think, you know, selfishly, I think Pittman is the guy that I would target more, but I don't think I'm going to have to reach, you know, earlier than shoot. I mean, maybe the ninth round uh, for, I think a guy like that, I'd be surprised. So uh, I do like that part of it, that, that it's, you know, I can add them as kind of depth ads. And if they turned out to be something greater, then I've kind of stumbled onto something. And if they don't, then, you know, again, it, it hasn't really hurt a whole lot. Um, <clears throat> on the other side, go back to Philly now. This obviously, for the moment at least, opens the door for Jalen Hurts. And I sort of joked uh, on, you know, in a, in a column I wrote last week that uh, last last Thursday, you would be forgiven if you you know were on fantasy Twitter and thought you had walked into like Wall Street Bets on Reddit because people were just rocket emojis everywhere when it came to Jalen Hurts last week. I am, I think, a lot more cautious about him than I know other people are. I know people are very, you know, all in, I think, on Jalen Hurts. Uh, I liked what I saw. I still have questions about the, the wide receiver group there in Philadelphia. And I also realized that I went back and looked and He had one huge spike game. I had that huge game. I think it was at 37 points against the Cardinals. Everything else was just okay. It was, you know, 18, 19 points. Not bad, but not great. And so that sort of made me think, okay, this is a guy that maybe has top top 10 outside, but I felt like more realistically is a guy who probably lands somewhere 12 to 15 for me. So I feel like I'm... I'm behind the curve. I think when it comes to everybody else, I know that you are a little bit more optimistic about Jalen hurts than I am right now though.
2: Yeah. I'm somewhere in between you and the rocket emojis. Like (laughs) I, I saw people saying he's a top five fantasy quarterback and I can't do that because I think the top eight or nine quarterbacks are so good and so proven that you would be making a mistake to take an unproven commodity over them. Uh, but I think once you get, and we know the obvious like top guys, but then to round out that top nine, I have like Aaron Rodgers uh, and Justin Herbert. I would still take Justin Herbert over Jalen Hurts today. Um, but can that change in a month? I think it can if Jalen Hurts, is, if the Eagles don't sign or, or draft a quarterback, because that is the one thing that is giving me pause. I also don't love the talent around him. Um, but even if like Jalen Hurts a month from now is their starter, I'm not taking him over Dak or Watson or, or Lamar or any of those quarterbacks, but I think he does go to belong over like Tom Brady and Matt Stafford. And if you Rogers and Herbert, I think are an interesting one because of what he can just do with his legs in four starts last year, he rushed for 272 yards. The only quarterback in NFL history to run for more yards in their first four starts was Lamar Jackson. And he averaged in those starts 68 rushing yards and in NFL history Three quarterbacks ever have averaged over 60 rushing yards, and it's Lamar Jackson, Michael Vick, and some dude named Bobby Douglas. Um, I don't really know a whole lot about Bobby Douglas, but I know Mike Vick and Lamar Jackson are awesome for fantasy. So I think that is the upside for Jalen Hurts. It's a little bit volatile, but quarterback is so deep that if I miss out on those top eight or nine guys, I'm fine taking Jalen Hurts in like round six or seven and then grabbing Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow or Matt Stafford as a – insurance policy. Bears fans know well Bears fans at a certain age know Bobby Douglas. Uh I mean
1: he is uh you know he's currently 73 years old so it, it's been a while since he played <laughs> uh in the National Football League. Yeah, I like I said I, I see the upside. I really do. And and you know we always talk about looking for quarterbacks who can run the football. And and I thought at times he threw the ball effectively as well. There were also stretches, though, where uh, the offense looked stagnant, couldn't really get anything going, and and even Hurts himself was a little bit frustrated. So, I, you know, I Godspeed for all those who are going to the moon and and really trying to get in early. I I tend to be a little bit more cautious, and so for that reason, I don't know that I could really, you know, and I guess some of it I know depends on what the draft price is, right? And I know you and I talked about this that. If if we're still talking about him in you know round eight or later, then maybe I can consider it. If we're talking about having to reach into round six to get Jalen Hurts, then that's not that's not a move that, that I'm going to make.
2: Um, the, the one thing I hate with this Hurts situation is Philly saying they need to bring in competition for him because what was the whole last year? Like you drafted him to be like a Taysom Hill and he beat out your franchise quarterback. <laughs> like, what more competition does he need? I mean, that that to
1: me says that they are not just confident in just handing him the job. And, you know, there is still a chance that they draft somebody. They have the number six pick. I know it's sort of a weird spot because you figure, you know, obviously Lawrence is going to be gone. There's a chance that, you know, Zach Wilson or somebody may be gone. And six is kind of a weird spot to get one of the other quarterbacks. There might be a little bit too early. So who knows? But um, there's nothing right now that says in stone, that Jalen Hurts is going to be the starting quarterback of the Eagles on week one. And that's kind of kind of something to, to, to take into account. Uh, you also mentioned that you're not in love with any of the pass catchers there. And I completely understand that they just released Deshaun Jackson. Jackson. Uh, the expectation is they're going to release Alshon Jeffrey. And so that leaves you with what Jalen Rager, who, you know, was underwhelming last year when he was on the field, uh, you know, Travis Fulgham had flashes, but, you know, he and Greg Ward, that's not a sustainable way to keep a wide receiver group going. Um, J.J. Arthago whiteside is looking like a bust after a couple of years right now. I mean, any of these guys, I guess Rager's the one you take a shot at. But even then, I mean, how how long would you wait to before you pull the trigger on Jalen Rager?
2: Yeah, not like I, this receiving core right now where are like where fantasy hype the last couple of years has gone to die. Like Jalen Rager had so much hype. Ortega Whiteside came out with a lot of hype. Even Travis Fogel in middle of the season last year had a lot of hype and they all just flamed out and didn't live up to it. Jalen Rager is the one that I would reach. And even like in early drafts right now. He's going in like the tenth round or so, so I think that's an especially like a best ball of that. That's what I'm doing now if I'm doing drafts because no way am I doing drafts and (laughs) I gotta set waivers and stuff. But in a best ball league, I see the appeal of a Jalen Rager because he is so explosive down the field. If there's any sort of chemistry there with Hertz or whoever could be throwing the ball in Philly, he can easily live up to expectation. But the thing is, I'm expecting them to bring someone in, like whether it be in free agency or the draft, like if they're going to trade Zach Ertz and and cut uh, D-Jax and Alshon and move on from all these old aging players, like you still need to bring pieces in. So uh, I I think the the Philly top pass catcher might not even be on their roster as of today.
1: Yeah. (laughs) If you're Jalen Rager. And I guess if you're an Eagles fan, you either hope that Rager really picks it up in the next year or two, or that Justin Jefferson's rookie year was just a mirage. <laughs> Cause man, that's going to be rough. If, if Justin Jefferson turns out to be a stud for the next decade and, and Rager is not uh, what they
2: thought and he could be. If any fantasy person was running the Eagles, they would have Justin Jefferson today. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> pretty much, I, I think
1: uh spot on right there. Um, so now we've seen we've seen Matt Stafford and Jared Goff traded for one another with some picks thrown in. We've seen Carson Wentz traded. Do you think this has any
2: bearing on what happens with Deshaun Watson in the next weeks or months? I think the Stafford trade had a much larger impact on it than this trade, because that was like like a lot of like picks were involved in that. This was more a. We knew Watson wasn't going to the Colts. They were not going to trade him in their division and be like, here, win the division the next 10 years against us. They just weren't going to do that. And Carson Wentz is nowhere near even in the same stratosphere as Deshaun Watson, in my opinion. So I, I don't think this trade will have much effect on it other than it just makes the quarterback market even less available on the quarterback market, which maybe, you know, supply and demand, maybe it makes Watson worth even more.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, Houston, as as many missteps as they've made recently, they're at least smart enough to realize that they need a King's ransom from someone in order to trade Deshaun Watson. And, and the question becomes whether or not somebody out there is willing to pay that. Uh, you know, I know that the 49ers and the Broncos are reported to be heavily involved and whether or not either team is interested in sort of making that move. Uh, we'll see. So who knows? All right. That gets us. To the end of our positional recaps here, I mean, unless we want to be silly enough to do defenses and, and kickers, but I don't, I don't think we do. Uh, <laughs> I see you shaking your head. So I'm going to go no. Uh, and I agree. So let's, let's just finish this up with tight ends here. Um, which by the way, if you haven't checked it out already, Florio put out his top 12 tight end rankings. You can find that uh, on NFL.com. So go check those out. And so we'll start here with where we started with all the other positions here who who was your biggest you feel like your biggest hit uh at the tight end position which like i get a big hit at tight end might not necessarily seem spectacular but who do you feel like you kind of got right
2: so that's exactly how i i wrote down like were there any hits outside of the uh, waller and kelsey unless you were on like let's draft all of them but uh TJ Hawkinson, maybe, but I wasn't. I was more on Noah Fant than I was on Hawkinson, so I'm not going to take credit for that as a hit. I think the hits, and Marcus, you're going to laugh at the names I put in these hits because I said <laughs> even the hits were super frustrating. Like Gronk finished tight end eight, Hayden Hurst finished tight end 10, Mike Osecki finished tight end seven. I think if you looked at the beginning of the year where they were ranked and where they finished at the end of the year, those three would classify as hits. If you had any of those three, you know that they were anything but.
1: Right. And I think that's sort of the thing. Like I, you know, for at least half the year, I felt like I was big on, I hit on Jonu Smith. I was big on him in the offseason and the first half of the year, everything worked out great. The back half of the year, we saw a lot more, you know, like Anthony Ferkser getting involved and that sort of thing. And so that sort of fell apart. I was big on Hayden Hurst and you're right. He does finish technically as a top 10 tight end but it was a miserable ride trying to get there. The same with Mike Kosicki. I mean, you know, he was another late round guy that I took shots at and he does finish in the top 10. But, uh, you know, with with those kind of guys, I feel like it was less about what they did. and just more a statement on the general state of the position. Um, so that being said, uh, I feel like, you know, coming up with misses is a whole lot easier. I, I'm I'm going to ask, I know what your answer is going to be, but I'm going to ask who was <laughs> your, your big tight end miss this
2: year? Tyler Higby. Oh, man. Marcus, you probably remember last summer when I I came on the podcast and you were like, how high can Tyler Higby finish if things live up? And I think I said tight end four. Yeah. And that was because, yeah, the the big three. And I said he could have been right after that. That would have that was a huge mistake. And I I remember after week two when he had those three touchdowns, I tweeted out like Tyler Higby beast. And I felt (laughs) great. I was like, oh, man, he's going to live up to expectations. He did not have another good game after that, it felt like. Uh, And then two other misses I had, Evan Ingram was a big one because my approach last year was Higby or Ingram because I thought they had a lot of upside and you didn't need to pay a big price to get him. Evan Ingram was such a disappointment. Even in midseason, I was saying, like, trade for him. He has all the tools. There's targets going his way. And he cost me in in a couple of leagues where I did move for him. And then my last miss, this is a blast from the past name, Marcus. Jack Doyle. I thought Jack Doyle <laughs> was going to be a safe tight end, too, that you can get super cheap in drafts. And, you know, he'd be like a top 15 tight end. And then there was a revolving door at tight end for the Colts, and he wasn't even a part of it most weeks. So those were three bad misses. My big one was Evan Ingram, for sure. I was I was big on Evan Ingram, I, especially because
1: I had. Daniel Jones as a sleeper this year. I thought I thought this was going to be a time for Daniel Jones to step up and really progress and I felt like okay if Jones takes a step forward the guy who's going to benefit the most is probably going to be Evan Ingram and well as such uh Daniel Jones didn't really take a big step forward Evan Ingram really struggled most of the year uh you know a lot I know for you you sat here for some of these shows where we talked to our old friend, Eddie Murphy, and, you know, he was frustrated with, you know, Evan Ingram drops or fumbles or just the the Giants general inability to consistently produce anything. Um, That one, I think that one for me was maybe the the biggest one. I would say that I, I guess I missed on Gronk in the sense that I didn't think he could finish in the top 10. I thought he would be more 12 to 15, somewhere around there. So in terms of just kind of missing and getting it wrong. Uh, you know, I kind of was was wrong on, on Gronk there. Uh, but
2: Those four weeks you missed out on good Gronk were, <laughs> were so much fun, Marcus. I'm sure. I'm sure they were a lot of fun. Uh,
1: for everybody who got involved, like, congrats. Uh, it looked like Half a party. time
2: on, on your bench, I
1: bet. It, it looked like a party. So, uh, you know, I wish I could have been there. It seemed like it was a good time. Uh, no, in the meantime, I was uh, spending a lot of that time trying to pick the right Logan Thomas weeks. Uh, next week. <laughs> Which, by the way, is another one. He finishes as the top three tied in, and it's like, I mean, I guess he, you know, he finished strong down the stretch and that's what helped. But, you know, it just it it doesn't make sense uh, at all. So if we spin that forward then to 2021, you know, the the top three once again in drafts are going to be Travis Kelsey, who's going to be a first round pick in a lot of drafts and then probably George Kittle and Darren Waller. Who is your tight end for at this moment?
2: For me, it is Mark Andrews. And last year I made the mistake of doubting Darren Waller. Can he repeat his season? And and Mark Andrews, I had a little bit of concerns for. And he came out this year, though. It wasn't as great to start. Like, there was definitely some frustrations early on with Mark Andrews. and, And we see that he does not belong, in my opinion, in the same class as a Darren Waller. But he did finish as a tight end six this year. He's been top six two straight years. And when you look at his numbers Yeah, they kind of did drop across the board, but they were so close to what they were in 2019, minus the touchdowns. The touchdowns went from 10 to 7. That's going to hurt a little bit, but every other stat was so close to what he was in 2019. We know that he is Lamar Jackson's number one target in that passing offense. So for me, I'm going to have Mark Andrews as the tight end four, albeit by saying he should go at least two rounds after the tight end three.
1: Yeah, he's going to go. He, there's going to be a big gap, I think, between the tight end three and the tight end four. I, I go back to that that first breakout season, the 2019 year. and It was sort of amazing because he did it on relatively few targets. I mean, he had fewer than 100 targets. He had 64 catches, but, you know, big yardage numbers. The 10 touchdowns definitely helped. Uh, the seven touchdowns this past year kind of helped keep him afloat when he was seeing fewer targets and catches and that sort of thing. Um and I do think that his numbers are going to stay sort of flat. I don't, I don't expect a major drop off uh, from Mark Andrews this year, but I'm going with TJ uh, Hawkinson as, as my tight end for this year. Um, <clears throat> he's a guy who's a, you know, this past year is a, was a big target guy. Some of it was because of injury. There was no Kenny Galladay, but there's also a chance there might not be Kenny Galladay next year too. With Galladay is a free agent. Um, you know, I, I said recently that, that, Galladay leaving, or Galladay coming back, I should say, is good for the Lions offense as a whole, right? You, you, it, it's always good to have a talented wide receiver like that. Galladay leaving is great news for TJ Hawkinson because I think that that could be where Jared Goff ends up going with the football a lot. Um, not only that, they used him as a, you know, at least a semi-downfield threat. He was good when it comes to yards after catch. It was sort of that intersection of everything you want from a tight end, you know, outside of the elite's. And, uh, you know, again, he's a guy that I think will be on the board, you know, in round five or six, potentially. Uh, although you made the point before we started recording that there's a bunch of guys sort of in this middle group uh, that are all sort of interchangeable. Right. That I feel like, you know, there's not going to be a real consensus, I think, in rankings that tight end after you get outside the top three this
2: year. I see to me, I, I think there's the top three. And then I have tier two for me would be Andrews and Hawkinson. And then I think after those five from like tight end six through like tight end, almost 20, you could put those names in any order. And that's why I think again, Marcus, we're going to hear this is finally the year. Look how deep tight end is blah, blah, blah. There's 15 tight ends. You grab two of them and you're good. We know that's never the case. Like we say it every summer and it never ends up happening, but there just is so many tight ends. There's, there's the, the like the Gronk and the Hearst and, and those guys that we talked about, there's a whole crop of young tight ends and to me if I miss out on those t- big three maybe I might dive down into like you know like a couple of rounds later to get a Andrews or a Hawkinson but if I miss out on those two too then then I'm just waiting till the double digit rounds are gonna grab two upside tight ends because is the difference between like, I don't know, a, a Gronk or a Hayden Hurst, a Mike Gusecki, really that different from a tight end you get a couple rounds later, some of these high upside tight ends that I know we're going to talk about? I, I don't think so. See, I am I am not going to fall into the tight end is going to be deep this year trap. I'm just not.
1: And I, look, there, there may be a chance that people are going to hate me on Twitter this year because I'm going to be Buzz Killington. Like, every time I see that, I'm going to jump in there like, you know, like training a puppy with a spray bottle. Like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> Stop it. Like, I'm going to be that person on Twitter this summer because we we keep doing this to ourselves. Not only do we keep doing it to ourselves, we know that we're doing it to ourselves. Right. Like, I don't know how many times in the last couple months I have seen people say we're going to convince ourselves a tight end is deep. And then we're going to get to October. And we're going to say tight ends not deep. So, like, I'm going to be sort of the hall monitor on this this year and be like, it's not deep. Don't say it. Don't tell yourself this, because here we are. But we identified just now what five tight ends in the top two tiers there. You had another 14 or 15 that could just sort of be interchangeable at that point. Right. So we're talking about at best. I'd say we're talking about at best 15 tight ends that could be viable for you. Right. Throw in the fact that some of them are going to get hurt. Some of them are just not going to play well. That number gets cut in half quickly. And then we're back to where we were. So. Let's stop telling ourselves this lie. Let's just kind of like make the best of it. If you don't get one of those early guys, then let's figure out how to sort of survive, uh, survive the issue, which takes us to some of those late round guys. You mentioned that you had maybe a couple you're keeping an eye on. Who might they be?
2: So one is Irv Smith uh, Jr. I love Irv Smith Jr. I think that the fact that we're hearing rumors now that Kyle Rudolph is unhappy with his role in this offense and he wants to move on and go somewhere where he could be more of a pass catcher is huge because ever since the Vikings have drafted Irv Smith, those two have split routes, ran targets. Like their numbers are almost identical in an opportunity uh, basis per game. So you get Kyle Rudolph out of there, and we saw a, a like month sample size of that. Last season, and Irv Smith was putting up numbers. And I think Irv Smith has a chance to be a big breakout tight end. Uh Another one, Cole Komet. I know you love him, Marcus, but he showcased last year what he can do late in the season. And if Jimmy Graham is gone, maybe they'll actually throw him the ball in the red zone once or twice. You know, <laughs> who knows? Uh And then uh, well, another one that I like real late, like I'm talking you could basically get with your last pick of the draft is Adam Trotman of the Saints, just because the Saints are so – they're in a really bad cap situation. Like, they are the team that is by far the most over the cap, and they're going to be looking to shed salary. And to me, I think that means that Jared Cook is going to be on playing for a different team next season, and Trotman is going to be the starting tight end for the Saints, and that is a, a Saints offense that we know likes to include the tight end. They, they always have – it was Jared Cook before that. I mean, we remember Jimmy Graham and in between those two, we were always trying to pick the right tight end when it was Josh Hill or one of those guys. So those are three that I like a lot. And then there's another young guy, Marcus, who I know we're going to talk about, who hasn't even played a snap yet, who I have ranked as a tight end one. Yeah,
1: and that's that's I'm I'm very interested to kind of get to that too. But I, I will say that of the names you mentioned, I had, you know, I had those those guys, the Smiths, Komets, Troutmans. Another one I would throw in there uh is, is Dawson Knox, who I think has a chance to really, you know, maybe take a step forward this year because I think we saw one, we got comfortable finally with Josh Allen as a passer. So that kind of took a little bit of the worries away. Um, you know, he's he's fairly young. He won't be 25 until midway through this season. And he started to get more involved in the passing game late in the year, going through the playoffs. So it looked as though Allen was looking his way a little bit more. So uh, I think I think there's a lot to be excited about with Dawson Knox. There. I also, as I was you know writing about some some young tight ends, or I shouldn't say young, but upside tight ends, I guess late round tight ends. Uh, I might have talked myself into Chris Herndon at least a little bit. Um, I know it feels like we've been talking about Chris Herndon forever. He's not even 25 yet. <laughs> it just it feels like he's been in the league for a long time. Like I feel like you know he might have come in the league with like you know Kyle Rudolph or something like that. But he's not that old. Uh, and so you know, depending on what happens, you know, with the Jets' offense, who the quarterback's going to be, and and all that sort of stuff, um, maybe maybe the Chris Herndon dream can actually come true, uh, at least partially this year. I don't know. Um, but that does bring us to. Kyle Pitts who if you follow you know anybody who follows the draft um he's the one name at the tight end position that keeps just jumping out and and people are saying that he's he's ready to come in and not just start uh in week 1 but be a playmaker in week 1 that's not the norm at the tight end position but there's a lot of excitement about this guy you have him in your your top what 12 tight ends this year you are you are really excited about him as well right now
2: Yeah, I am. And and I don't want to say like I'm a a scout or a film grinder or anything like that, but everything I've seen from Kyle Pitts has just been great. And and I know the knock on him is his blocking. And Marcus, uh, I'll straight up say for fantasy, who cares? Like to (laughs) me, that just means all whichever team invests very highly in him is going to let him run more routes. And that's what leads to fantasy points. But I've even watched some breakdowns, and like people are like, no, his blocking is better than he gets credit for, and and it gets blown out of proportion a lot of the times. But looking into him, he is 6'6, 240 pounds. We'll get an official listing at his pro day, but that's what he is listed as right now with 4.640 speed. That is bigger than Draymond Green. Uh, <laughs> he gets comped to Des Bryant a lot. That is bigger than Des Bryant. I looked at, and the only comparable that I found was Darren Waller. He who is 6'6, 256, and ran a 446. Like, yes, Darren Waller may be a little bit bigger and more athletic than Kyle Pitts, but they're like kind of like the pointing Spider-Man GIF. <laughs> and I think if any team is going to invest a top 15 pick into maybe even top 10, they're gonna look to get him the ball right away. And I know rookie tight ends have disappointed for the last decade plus. Like I, I went back and found it there's two tight ends who have scored enough points to be a tight end one in their rookie season Gronk. And, uh, I forget the second one. It was another proven tight end. Um, but Kyle Pitts, I think is going to be like the next Kelsey, the next Darren Waller. Like, I think he has all of the tools to fit into that. And that's why I, I would take him as a top 12 tight end. Although Marcus, I will say my fear is that come August, he's the sixth tight end off the board.
1: That yes, you know, you might be right, and then that would be a little bit too spicy for me. Um I I mean I, I don't know what I don't know what to make of him yet. I mean, I know that the excitement is there, the hype is there. I would think that at some point I will probably, you know, draft him somewhere along the line, provided the the draft price is not too high. Um, but yeah, I still just have this this feeling of first year tight ends generally have a a longer learning curve and look maybe it is maybe it will be different maybe it will be a situation like you said where whoever drafts him understands you know what his strengths and what his weaknesses are and they play to his strengths a little bit more uh and allow him to kind of be one of those guys that would certainly make me feel a little bit better um but you know i just i we all know the history of first round tight ends and i don't think it's anything because you know i don't think it's because guys are not talented. I just think it's because what is asked of them at the NFL level is a lot different than what's asked of them uh, at the college level. But I know the I, hype there.
2: Yeah. I found the other name. Yes. He's best rookie tight end in the last decade. Mm-hmm. Evan Ingram. That was going to be actually, Yeah, that was going to be my <laughs>
1: guess, you know, because, but here's the, that's why we were all, that's why we keep clinging to Evan Ingram, right? Because he had that great rookie year and he hasn't come close to doing that since then. So, you know, I don't know this, is this a make or make a break year for Evan Ingram at least fantasy wise? Like if it doesn't happen this year is it just, you know, is it just not going to happen now?
2: I I think so. I think for it's a make at least in my mind it's a make or break year for two tight ends because I can't just keep getting drawn into what they did as rookies and and sit, telling myself, "Oh, well they have so much upside." It's Ingram and it's Hunter Henry. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I, I think <laughs> I was, I was a big Hunter Henry fan from the moment he was drafted and I, you know, I gave it a couple years. Antonio Gates was there at first. So we knew he was going to share time and he got hurt and it just, you know, it just hasn't really happened. And I think, you know, I, I don't know what, what happens with him. I think he hits free agency, I believe this year. Um, so we'll see what happens, where he goes, if he stays with the chargers or not, but, uh, I am, I'm sort of with you that I think I'm, I'm fading Hunter Henry now. Um, I reserve the right to change that if he lands in what I think is a favorable spot, uh, which by the way, let's, let's, let's say this Hunter Henry goes to say Indianapolis where Carson Wentz has been pretty good at getting the ball to tight ends. But does, does that get you more excited about Hunter Henry?
2: Yeah. Cause last season, the only quarterback that threw to tight ends more was Patrick Mahomes. And I mean, he is Travis Kelsey, <laughs> <Right. so> who <laughs> blames him. Uh, but yeah, and Carson Wentz, I, I know it, it kind of is a personnel thing because they had Zach Ertz for so long, but that's a staple of his game since he's coming to the NFL, throwing to the tight end. So, And and the Colts, while they didn't have a tight end last year, were heavily involving, especially in the red zone, their three tight ends. So I, I think that would be a really good landing spot for Henry, and that would get me sucked back in. Um, I did want to, one tight end that I have – I've ranked him as a top 12, but I have basically no interest in drafting him, is Big Bob Tunyon. He was, he was averaging three point seven targets per game last year. Yeah,
1: what what happened last year definitely feels like a mirage with him. Um, I mean, eleven touchdowns. When you say when you say Travis Kelsey had eleven touchdowns, you're like, yeah, he can do that again. You say Robert Tunyon had eleven touchdowns. I'm sort of like, yeah that that doesn't seem like it. It's <laughs> So I I'm curious to see where people draft him because I do think that I think a lot of people are going to be very hands off with uh, Robert Tunyon this year just because it just doesn't it doesn't feel sustainable uh, for a guy that had 52 catches and fewer than 600 receiving yards. It just doesn't feel like another top five finish uh, is possible for him. Um, All right. So there you go. So there's your takeaway. Tight end, not deep. Get one early. Or, uh, you know, pay the penalty or something like that. Um, So uh, as we finish up, I I saw over the weekend that uh, the Legend of Zelda uh, turned 35, uh, turns 35 this year, which I thought about it. And I'm like, Link, the the video game character Link has been on this earth longer than you, Florio. Um, Which is crazy. (laughs) Right, he has been around longer than you have. Um, But, and it's funny that I guess Nintendo has not, properly celebrated it and so the fans have gone out and they've done a lot to kind of celebrate the, the fact that this game has survived and and you know expanded the world has expanded for so long but it did make me think of um which non-sports video games did you love that were your go-to uh, you know we I, I can sit here're talking about sports games like all day but like outside of sports video games were there any that you just felt like you know that was your jam that was the one you always wanted to play.
2: Yeah, as a kid, I was a huge Nintendo fan. Like, I I played the Mario games all the time. Uh, I like Donkey Kong. I love – I got really addicted to Animal Crossing when I was, like, 10 years old, (laughs) which is basically, like, Nintendo's version of The Sims almost. And I just, like, got fully dove – like, every day for, like, over a year I played that game. Um, But now that I'm older, my go-to game is Gears of War on Xbox. Um, But I still – I still have to switch, and I play like Mario Kart and Super Smash Brothers. Uh, I play it with my fiance, who I will admit is much better than me in those games. So, did you get back into Animal
1: Crossing like recently? Because I know that with the pandemic, people were like really heavy into Animal Crossing. Did you Did you go back to it?
2: I didn't buy the game because I probably would have. I tried the the phone app game they made, and I played that for like a solid week or two. And I was like, all right, I had my fix. Uh, Steve,
1: do you have any, any non-sports games that you were big on?
3: And I'm shocked that this wasn't the first word out of Florio's mouth. And if it's yours, Marcus, I'm sorry for taking it. But it's Pokemon. And it has to be Pokemon. That's like yeah. the, the the game that we grew up with. It's like the... The original almost MMORPG in the way that you <laughs> traded with your friends and you came up with plans. Like before, I battled the elite four. I got a whiteboard out, like I was game planning to play the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. <laughs> like it was, it was deep. Uh, but like for me, I'm like a red, blue, yellow, and then they did yep. the remakes: the fire red, the leaf green, and that's it. There are no other Pokemon's that exist um, oh, to me. I, I played. I, I when I got Pokemon Red was the first one I ever got, and right. like. I didn't look
2: up from my Game Boy Color for like weeks when I got that. Oh, no, but you like hundred hours.
3: Yeah, and then you unlocked I, something. I, 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 don't know if you remember I what. caught
2: Missing Go. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, right. I, and then i mess. I had to send my cartridge to Nintendo and tell them like which Pokemon I had. like I was on the phone for like an hour, <laughs> and like they reprogrammed my game and sent it back. It was, but yeah, I played all the way through up until like I got to high school, and then I was like, all right, maybe I should I should stop.
1: <laughs> See now, I I mean because. I think I was a little too old for Pokemon, like when it hit big. Like I I remember, I, I remember during a period of fun employment, I think I watched it for like a month, and I'm like, "This Ash dude is terrible at his gig." Like that's what I realized, that's what I took away from watching the cartoon. That like, you know, I think I started calling him Trash Ketchum or something like that for a while. He wasn't, <laughs> he, wasn't, he, wasn't well. like he was very good. It seemed like he was very good at it. Uh, I did play Pokemon Go uh, when it got popular. For like, I played that for a few weeks. Um, but it was like killing my phone battery. So I think I stopped playing because it was just draining the life out of my phone all the time. Um, you know, I, I, mean, I go back to, for me, like I go back to Mortal Kombat. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when you had to have a special code to get the blood on Mortal Kombat. Cause it just looked like sweat was flying off these guys when you hit them. And like, that wasn't any fun. Um, you know, because I grew up on Nintendo. I mean, I grew up on Zelda. I grew up on like Contra and stuff like that. I think when I got to, you know, I think when I got to play, that's time I got to PlayStation. I was mostly uh, mostly sports games. But I think I had like, a, you know, Star Wars Rebel Assault uh, that I was really big on that I played a lot of uh, stuff like that. I have not I have faded from gaming a little bit uh, in recent years Um you know part of it was being broke for a while because then i was like i you know if you're broke you don't have money to spend on games so that sort of changed it a little bit um but i'm trying to get back i want to get i want to get back to i tried to do world of warcraft i played for like an hour and i got stomped and i'm like this is uh or not world of warcraft um overwatch that's what it was i played for like an hour i got smashed i'm like this isn't fun so
2: these (laughs) these days are they're basically all professional gamers (laughs) pretty
1: much yeah that makes it tough I gotta find something that I can uh, I can play.
2: Marcus, uh, if if you're a Mortal Kombat fan, have okay. you seen
1: the new trailer? I've seen the new trailer. I it was looks like, so good. It looks so good, and they threw just enough of the game stuff in there, uh, like a lot of the the catchphrases from the game. That I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna watch this. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I would be, you know, it'll be because I'll be the only one in my house who watches it. So it'll be like up late on a Friday or Saturday night, like by myself. But I'm totally gonna watch Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely.
2: (laughs) It looks way better than the 90s one, which I loved as a kid. Which watched when I got older and was "Mm."
1: randomly. I think I found it on, I don't know if it was Netflix or Amazon Prime, but I did see it there and I started watching this and I'm like, this is really corny. Um, (laughs) So uh, hopefully this one. Hopefully this one is a little bit better. So, uh, all right. That feels like the perfect spot to pull the shoot on this one. That is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, in the 21st century, the leading history is more important than making it. Be safe, take care of yourselves, wear a mask, and we'll see you next week.